Father, we just thank you for your absolute awesome presence with us this morning. We thank you that it's great to be able to gather together with God's people and just enjoy each other, but Lord, ultimately it's you. And it's all about you. And God, we just pray right now that you would just come by the power of your Holy Spirit and you would just begin to touch people's lives. You begin to transform, you begin to heal, you begin to restore. And we just pray that you would have your way in each and every one of us this morning in Jesus' precious name. Amen. It's the week after Easter, so I thought I'd uh, break into our series that we've been doing on Daniel and just follow up with, from our Easter message, and uh, often we just leave it where it is and talk about the death and resurrection, but we don't talk about then the impact that that death and resurrection had on the people. So I'm going to pick it up with the last chapter of the book of John. And halfway through that, starting at verse 19 of John chapter 20, we're going to read and see what the situation was with the disciples. And it says this, it says, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood amongst them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he, showered, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And that's the first instance we see of um, the Holy Spirit coming uh, into the disciples. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And through, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood amongst them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe, Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And Jesus did many other miracles, miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Amen. What a great passage to finish off the book of John. Uh, what a week, though, it had been for the disciples. You just got a picture of what was going on in their lives all in one week. It had started off with um, the crowds welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem with shouts of Hosanna, palm branches, uh, a hero's welcome, crowds like they'd never, ever seen before. And then suddenly, a couple of days after that hero's welcome, Jesus is arrested, he's taken to the cross, He's crucified. The disciples must have been absolutely shell-shocked. Their hopes, their dreams were crushed with Jesus' death. It's no wonder they hid behind locked doors. They were afraid. They thought they were next. If Jesus could be killed in such a cruel and unfair manner, what about them? 
their careers had been abandoned. They'd left everything to follow Jesus. But now their future was uncertain. Their faith was shaken. They'd trusted in Jesus. They'd believed in him. Their whole understanding of God, everything they believed and lived for had been shattered on the cross. And now they were forced to hide through fear behind locked doors. Just when everything seemed to be at its worst, Jesus walks in. He changes their lives and they emerge as completely different people. They've got the Holy Spirit within them. They're confident. They're assured of God's love and his peace for them and God's power and God's purpose for them. And just as the disciples had locked themselves through fear of the Jews, I'm convinced that most of us have areas in our lives that for one reason or another, like rooms with locked doors, we've hidden away from God. Uh, We often respond to hurts or rejection or sickness or pain, fear, difficulties, the problems of life by putting up barriers, uh, barriers of protection around our hearts and emotions to stop us from being hurt again. The barriers stop us from being hurt, but they also stop healing from taking place in those areas. Lowering those barriers really causes vulnerability, but Jesus said he came to heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free. And so this morning, I want to just encourage you that Jesus comes to bring his presence, he comes to bring his peace, and he comes to reveal to you his plans and his purpose. You know, the one thing that is going to make a difference in your life and your situation and your circumstance more than anything else is going to be the presence of God. John 20 verse 19 says, The disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood amongst them, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. This group of people hiding away in this upper room was the start of the New Testament church. But it was a church with nothing. No plan, no program, no youth ministry, no powerful preaching, nothing. Of course, every church and every person, if they're left to their own devices and draw only on their own resources, is actually really nothing. Because Jesus said, hey, without me, you're nothing. No matter what it says about itself in a newspaper, no matter what programs it has, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. But when Jesus came, he transformed nothing into something. So no matter what situation you're facing this morning, when Jesus shows up, fear is dispelled and it's replaced by faith. Jesus' presence always makes the difference. What makes a difference in life? What will make the difference for you? 
What makes the difference in church? It's not good music. It's not the slick show. It's not a good message. It's not a big crowd. It's not great lights. The only thing that's going to make a difference and change people's lives is the presence and the power of God. In Exodus chapter 32 and chapter 33, you find the children of Israel had sinned. In fact, all through their walk out in the wilderness, they seemed to take two steps forward and one step back. God punishes them for their disobedience. And then he says to them this. He says, Exodus 33, verse 2, I'll send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. God, in his grace and his mercy, says, listen, despite your sin, my promises towards you are still intact. You will still inherit the land I promised you. And more than that, I'm going to send an angel. An angel is going to go before you. There's going to be signs and wonders. Your enemies are going to be defeated. You know, that's all the sort of stuff that um, churches dream of. But Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us up from here. And the Lord said to Moses, I'll do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. See, Moses didn't just want the hand of God, but Moses wanted God's personal presence with him. In fact, for Moses, God's presence was more important than the promises of God or the signs and the wonders. And often we get so caught up chasing the signs, chasing the wonders, chasing the promises of God, that we forget that in the person of Jesus Christ, all his plans and all his promises are fulfilled. You see, when you have his face, you have his hands. And as we draw near to him, he draws near to us. We need to be a people who, more than anything else, want to know God and be found in his presence. We need to be people who are pursuing God with everything that we have. You see, if you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, then you already have his Holy Spirit within you. And it's not a matter of God coming from without to within. It's a matter of you recognizing that God is already within wanting to be part of everything you do and everything you say. We don't have to wait to see if Jesus will come and break through the barriers and the locked doors of our life because he's already said that he'll do that. Revelation 3.20, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. And eat with him, and he with me. I've got on the slide behind me a picture of Holman Hunt's portrait of Jesus, the light of the world. It's in St. Paul's Cathedral. How many people here have seen that? Yeah, number. it's big, isn't it? 
It's, it's really big. I, I can't rem- remember exactly how tall it is, but it's a really, really, really big, really big painting. And um, Jesus is knocking on the door. There's a crown of thorns on his head and a lantern in his hand. The interesting feature of this painting is, and if you got a close-up, you'd be able to see it, is there's no external handle on the door. The latch is on the inside. And I reckon that's, um, that's brilliant of Holman Hunt because basically he was depicting that Jesus isn't going to knock down the door of your heart. He's waiting for you to open that door. But he's standing there waiting. Time and time again, I've found that when I've taken the time to invite Jesus to come into my life or situation, he's come powerful consequences you know in my previous job time and time again when we were facing real difficulties when something had gone wrong and we're looking at million dollar problems I'd have to just come to the Lord and say God I just don't know what's going on here please just give me your insight show me what's going on here and invariably he would and it was absolutely amazing but you know the time that I needed God's presence and his power and his infusion into my life, perhaps more than anything else, when looking back was the day that my father died. I was 34 years of age. I got a phone call from mum. We were living in Hamilton where I was working and uh, mum and dad were in Auckland where I was brought up. Uh, She rang up and she just said, hey, um, Dad's had a brain bleed. He's not expected to live. Come quickly. So I shot up to Middlemore Hospital and I was there with, with Mum. And I was there in the evening when, um, when Dad died. And I remember driving back to Hamilton, the two-hour journey as it was in those days, and I just cried all the way. And my heart was just absolutely broken. And I just didn't know what to do. I was one of these ones who would, um, who would cry at funerals of old men and old women in our church who had touched my life. And I thought, how on earth am I going to get through Dad's funeral? I'm going to be a blubbering mess. I won't be able to hold it together. And then, as I just sought the Lord, just his, his peace just came upon me, but it wasn't just his peace. Those of you who have been in a similar situation will know what I'm talking about. The, the power, something happens from within, and the power of God just came. And I remember speaking at my father's funeral with strength and with anointing, and uh, I got through that day, and I more than just got through it. I, I just knew that I knew that I knew that God was with me. And also, if I could get through that day, if I could get through that time, if I could get through that grief, then there was nothing that could come upon me in life that I wouldn't be able to get through with God's help. 
And I think, people, as you look back to those difficult, difficult times and you recognize the presence of God with you during those times, you know that you know that you know that God is with you, that his promises are for you, that he will never leave you nor forsake you. And so the little things that happen from then on out, the little things that come upon your life, the little problems, the little troubles, they're nothing because you've experienced God walking with you. The problem is a lot of the time we live as if God isn't with us. We don't acknowledge his presence. And therefore, because we don't acknowledge his presence, we don't rely on him in a way that he is wanting us to rely on him. He's, he says the steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord. He delights in his way. But even if he falls, he won't be utterly cast down because the Lord is upholding him with his right hand. And right now, people, you have the hand of God underneath you. If you'd only recognize in your situation, if you'd only recognize in the difficulty you're facing, if you only recognize in your recovery, God is with you. Florence Nightingale was asked, what's the secret of your good life? And she replied, I can only offer one explanation, and that's this. I have held nothing back from God. In other words, she had given her life to God, and as a result, God had strengthened her in every situation and circumstance. That's consecration, and it's always a precursor to God moving in your life. If you want God to move, if you want to experience his power and his presence in your life, then the first step is always giving your heart completely to him. We have to experience Jesus and his amazing love and acceptance and forgiveness for ourselves. And when we have experienced him, once we need, once we, once we have that, we need to grow in that hunger for more of God ourselves. I was sitting here this morning during the beginning of the service thinking, oh, this is terrible. This doesn't sound right. There's something wrong with this. There's, there's that. It's and all these sort of thoughts were coming through my mind. And then I remembered what I was going to be preaching on. And God is sitting there nudging me. Yep. <laughs> doesn't matter about all those things. What it matters about is that, am I here? And I thought, yep, he's here. Okay. Good. Get yourself together, Don. Get yourself together. Come on. God, have your way. Have your way. Begin to touch people. Begin to make them aware of your presence. Despite all the little things that aren't going right, begin to bring your presence to bear. And so... If we're going to grow in the presence of God, it's really growing in our awareness of his presence with us. I mean, if he's, if, if he's living inside you, he's living inside you. He's not gonna, there's not going to be more of him living inside you if you do this and this and this. All that's going to happen is you're going to be aware of his presence in a very, very real 
real way. And so we, we pray. We seek his face. We read his word, not because we have to, not because we're trying to twist his arm up our back so if we do these things, he will then do other things for us, but we do it because we want to draw near to God. And when we draw near to him, he draws near to us. And so the thing that I've been asking myself lately is, has my capacity for God been increasing or decreasing of late? Because all of us need to be growing in our awareness, our capacity. I mean, he says that we would have rivers of living water, speaking of the Holy Spirit, flowing through us. And I look at my life and I think, man, that river is just a little trickle. God, I need more of you flowing through me, which means that I need to open up my heart and my life and allow him to flow through me in a greater way. I really like Thomas's honesty. Thomas wasn't going to put on some religious mask and pretend that everything was okay when it wasn't. I mean, I love the high times. Uh, I cry out for mountaintop experiences. I love to preach success. I want to see the power of God moving in people's lives. I love to read about successful people, great men and great women of God, testimonies of success, victory uh, encourages me and helps me to aim higher. But the reality is it's normal to have problems. When you turn to the person next to you and say, it's normal to have problems. It's... People, I want to tell you, it, it's okay not to be on top of life all the time. You don't have to put on a Christian mask when you walk into church on a Sunday morning. It's, it's okay to say, I just don't get it, or I'm having a real struggle, or I'm going through a real bad patch at the moment. You know, we live in difficult days. And sometimes, despite our best efforts, we have lousy days. Sometimes we have lousy weeks. And other times we have lousy months. And uh, yeah, there are lousy years sometimes as well. Sometimes, despite our best efforts, things don't go right. But the good news is Jesus didn't come for the perfect. He didn't come to set the perfect people free Jesus died for sinners and peoples with problems. In fact, Jesus said to the um, Pharisees, he says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So if you have got a problem this morning, you are just the person that Jesus Christ died for. If things aren't going great in your life at the moment, you are just the person that Jesus loves to get alongside to and says, hey, can I help you? Can we walk through this together? Thomas knew that he had to meet Jesus for himself. 
He could not live off somebody else's testimony. And the reality is, young people, you would hear us talk about the times where God's come in power in our lives. You've had us talk about, you've heard us talk about the revival times. But the reality is every generation needs to have revival in their lives for themselves. They can't live off their parents' experiences. Every one of us need to know Christ for ourselves and experience him for ourselves. Jesus heard Thomas's honest heart cry, and Jesus went out of his way to meet his need. I like Thomas because he was honest and wholehearted, and when he had an encounter with God for himself, he said, my Lord and my God. I know there are people here this morning with struggles, with worries, under pressure, others with damaged emotions, some struggling to make right decisions, others still not recovering from great, great loss in their lives, going through dark valleys. Some of you are feeling, fearing what the future might bring, but this morning, if you would be honest enough, enough to say, Jesus, I need you, w- would you come into my room of struggle I know that he will because he brings his presence and with his presence comes his peace. The disciples were rejoicing at his presence, but always with his presence comes his peace. And the first words that Jesus spoke to the disciples in that upper room was, peace be with you. And he could say that because he was the Prince of Peace. And so with Jesus' presence, there is always, is always peace. On another occasion, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give it to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. And the reason why the peace that we have is dis- different from the world is that in the world, if you want peace, you have to try and create peaceful surroundings, peaceful circumstances. But the peace that God gives us is a peace which comes from within and is independent of the situation and the circumstances around about us. Our world is getting busier and more stressful each day. How can we honestly cope with the pressures? I think of our young people growing up today, the pressures that they face are 10 times the pressures that older people we used to face when we were at school. Completely, completely different. It's interesting. My, um, my brother is building a um, submarine at the moment. Well, he's already built one, and uh, I've got a video which I showed, I think I showed it in church of him in Kaiwi Lakes uh, going down, but anyway, he's, he's building another one at the moment. But um, I'm thinking one of the problems he has is equalizing the pressure in the submarine, compared to the pressure in the water, the deeper you go, the greater the pressure. And you see, there are fish that live thousands of meters below the sea. Huge, 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 huge pressures down there. Pressures that would crush a normal submarine these fish live in. How on earth can they do that? If you were to fish them up, you'd find that they... They've just got thin skins like the rest of fish. They're not thick on the outside. 
but they can live at these incredible depths because they have something called a swim bladder within, within them. And the pressure in their swim bladder is the same as the pressure outside. So the more that they have there, the more pressure they can withstand. And that's a bit like us. Our, we can withstand the pressure from without because of the power of the Holy Spirit within. That's the difference. Often we can't change the situations on the outside because they're not under our control. But we can allow God to change us on the inside so that we can cope with the pressure on the outside. With Jesus ruling our hearts, he wants to bring us into peace and not pressure. John 16, I've told you these things. This is Jesus speaking. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Everyone say this. In the world, you'll have trouble. All right. But take heart. I've overcome the world. In the world, we will have pressure. In the world, we'll have problems. In the world, we'll have trouble. But in Jesus, we can have peace. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. How can you let the peace of God rule in your hearts? Well, what it means is you need to be aware, first of all, of how you're feeling. Do you have peace or don't you have peace? If you don't know Jesus Christ, you won't have peace. If you don't know Jesus Christ, your peace will be dependent on the situation, the circumstances that you find yourself in. But even in difficult situations, you can have peace. And when you're aware of that, you know that you, when you've got that peace, you're in the center of God's plans and God's purposes. When you stay within the boundaries you that God has given us, you keep that peace. If you begin to step outside God's plans or God's measures of grace for you, you will lose your peace. Uh, there's a verse which says, you do, not, do not turn to the right or to the left, but there'll be a still small voice speaking to you, and it'll say, but this is the way. Walk ye in it. And it's a bit like this when you're walking down the road of life. We wander off to the right or to the left. But one of the gauges that will keep you on the straight and narrow is the peace of God. Because when you walk away from God's plans and God's purposes, you'll lose your peace. And when you lose your peace, step back. Go back to the place where you last had it, and ask God, what's changed? And you'll soon find, if you've stepped off the path or if something else has happened, there, where you need him breathing on that situation, the peace of God is a great guide for guiding you and keeping you in the plans and the um, purposes of God. And you will find that even in the middle of a storm, even in the middle of great problems, you can continue to have peace in that situation. And when you have peace in that situation, you will have a greater clarity of mind and you'll be able to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying so that you will know what to do 
in the middle of that situation or circumstance. Does that make sense? When, when you haven't got peace and you're in the, in, the, in the middle of a problem, you have the classic flap. What's going on? What do I do? All right. When you've got peace, you can hear what the Holy Spirit is saying and you'll know what to do about that situation. If I lose my peace, I know I'm relying on my own strength or I've stepped outside God's plans, so I step back till I have that peace again. I love those verses in Paul's letter to the church in Philippi where he says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcend, or I think in one of the other verses it said, surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, you'll be in a difficult situation. The circumstances will be troubling, troubling, troubling you. You won't be able to understand what's going on, but the peace of God will be such in your life that you won't be able to understand why, but You'll just be peaceful, and it'll keep your heart and your mind focused on him because you've committed those situations, you've committed those circumstances to God. Jesus comes and brings his presence, he brings his peace, but also he wants us to know his plans and his purposes. To the disciples, he said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Jesus was sent to show mankind what God was like. If you want to know what God's like, have a look at Jesus. Jesus was sent to make a way so that we could know our God. The disciples were to be his witnesses. Now, they were the ones that would demonstrate God's love and acceptance and forgiveness. And they would be the ones who would point people to God. And that's our calling now also. We are the ones that are supposed to reflect God. We are the ones who are supposed to reflect his love and acceptance and forgiveness. We're called Christians, which means we're little Christs. So when people look at our lives, they should be able to look past the exterior and they should be able to see Jesus. Wow. That are big shoes to walk in, don't you think? <laughs> That's a huge responsibility. But we can only do that with God's presence and his peace within us. Let's have the musicians, please. Without Jesus in our lives, uh, we can do nothing of lasting value. Without his presence in this church, this is nothing but a social club. It's not a bad social club. <laughs> but I like it better with God's presence. I like it better with him moving. I like it better with him coming in power in situations and circumstances. There is an amazing verse in Luke chapter 1, and it says this. 
In the New American Standard Version, which is one of the more accurate word-for-word versions, it says, For nothing will be impossible with God. For nothing will be impossible with God. With God in your life, people, it's impossible to do nothing or to be nothing or to have no effect or have no impact or have no significance because nothing is impossible with God. If you've got God in you, it's impossible for you to be nothing. If you've got God in you, it's impossible for you to have no effect on people around about you. If you have God within you, it's impossible for you to do nothing because the God in you will be creating situations and circumstances for you to walk in. With God in your life, it's impossible to have no effect. This morning, if we do nothing more, let's let Jesus have his way in our lives. You know, he's the one who opens doors that no one can shut. And he closes doors that no one can open. For some of you this morning, God is wanting to shut doors of the past. He's wanting to say, it's finished. Now, step into the plans and the purposes that I have for you. For others, he's wanting to come with his presence. And he's wanting to give you peace in your situation and your circumstances. He's wanting to bring to every one of us his presence, his peace, and his purpose. And he can do that because no matter what your situation, no matter what your circumstance, nothing is impossible to him. Amen? Amen. Why don't you just bow your head just for a moment? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your amazing presence here this morning, touching hearts, touching lives releasing people into, their, into your plans and your purposes for them, giving a spark, an idea, a thought, overcoming the pressures that we're living in. But Lord, I pray for more this morning. I pray for healing. I pray for restoration. I pray for breakthrough. I pray for fresh dreams and fresh visions. I pray for a fresh release of the Holy Spirit in people's lives. That God, as we sit in your presence, there'll be a fresh revelation of you in our lives. God, 
when we realize that we have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords living within us, it'll change the way we live. It'll change the way we walk. It'll change the things that we say. It'll change the things that we do. It'll change the way that we relate to you. So God, this morning we're asking that you would just have your way. team just to come to the front now and I just really love the opportunity about it. Pray with people this morning. Doesn't matter what the situation is that you are facing. If you need more of God in your life, why don't you just come stand at the front and we'll just pray for you to see what God will do. If you need a breakthrough, if you need healing this morning, why don't you just come and let's see how God can take something that we consider nothing and bring release to that. Maybe you're struggling with your finances this morning and you need a breakthrough. God is the God who says, I'm Jehovah Jireh, the provider. And I do more than provide. I give you not only enough to live off, but enough to be able to bless others. You might be struggling with areas of your life that you've just closed off to God. And this morning you're just saying, God, I just want to open up my whole life to you. I want to let you have your way. If that's you, why don't you just come? This is a form of acknowledgement of that. Let's see what God will, will do. You know, if, I'd, if I'd had time this morning, not only would we see that God comes with his presence and his peace and his plans and purposes, but also God comes with power. And God wants to break through in your life in a new way. He wants you to experience that river of living water flowing out from you, not just changing your life, but changing the lives of people around about you. Not because of any great gifting that you have, but simply because you've allowed the Holy Spirit to come and flow through you. So if that's you this morning, why don't you just come?